Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, welcome to Wide Left Sports. Today I'm joined by a good friend of mine and former MSUB soccer player, Reese Lambert. How are you doing today, man? Good, thanks, Mitch. Good, thanks, and uh, I hope you're well. Um, and thanks for having me on, man. It's, it's, it's a pleasure. Of course, man. I've, like you said, been wanting to have you on for a while now, so I'm glad with the time difference between Montana and Australia. It's worked out for both of us. <laughs> Yeah, that's it, man. It, it, it's a big time difference. Um, keeps things interesting, you know, when, when you try to stay in touch with people. But yeah, man, it's, it's, it's good to see you again. And it's, um, I'm, glad, I'm glad we're here and I'm, I'm glad I'm finally on. For sure, for sure, man. So I just kind of want to start this out, you know, what made you fall in love with soccer? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was born in England, um, right? And so I grew up in England until um, I was eight years old. And obviously in England, the, the, the biggest sport and the main sport is um, football or soccer. And, uh, you know, so you go, to, you go to school and all your friends are playing soccer and, you know, at, or football. At lunchtime, you're playing soccer. And after school, you, you know, you, everyone goes to school in their local community. Um, the communities are small. So you're in the street and then you're playing like street soccer with your friends. Uh, so that's kind of how I first got into the game was just uh, just just in school and, and with friends. And then and then you join a club and then so all of us training twice a week with your local sports club and you're playing on a Saturday morning. So, uh, you know, and my grand my granddad's a massive football fan, big Manchester United fan. So he was always pushing me to get into it. Um, Believe it or not, my dad's actually a rugby guy. He, he played professional <laughs> rugby. So at that age, I was playing both um, rugby and soccer, but sort of fell more in love with, um, with soccer and sort of probably excelled more at soccer. And yeah, I mean, I was, I was addicted from the minute go, to be honest. I was, uh, I was, like I said, playing it at school on my break, playing it after school in the street with my friends until, you know, my parents had to shout and come bring me inside and, and then, uh, you know, the minute I joined like club soccer, that was it, man. I was, I was in love and, um, yeah, it was all I wanted to do. It was all I wanted to talk about. Um, and, uh, you know, I was wearing like, you know, if you see me outside of school, it was always in a soccer kit, you know, whether it was like the England national team, Manchester United kit, whatever. I just, um, you know, lived and breathed soccer and, uh, yeah, I just fell in, fell in love with it from a young age. Um, I think, I think, uh, you know, as well as playing, it was just being around my friends, you know, being playing with my friends, you know, after school on the weekends. So obviously we would do like holiday camps and things. So yeah, that's what got me hooked, man. And here we are 20 years later and um, still doing it. <laughs> that's awesome, man, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I haven't been immersed into soccer. Like obviously you have living in England and Australia, but I've been to a few MLS games in Salt Lake. And I can honestly say the um, atmosphere at soccer games is unlike any other 
sport that I've been to here in America. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's one of a kind because um, in, if you're in Europe or you're in the UK and you go to a, you go to a soccer game, um, like you said, man, the atmosphere is next level. There's nothing like it. Um, the fans they sing like they stand up and they sing and they chant from like minute one to minute ninety. Like there's never a dull moment in in a soccer stadium over there. And then uh, and then yeah, I, I went to a few MLS games in in the states. I was lucky enough to go to a few um, Portland Timbers games and a few uh, Seattle Sounders games. And uh, yeah, man, the atmosphere out there was great. That that stadium they got out there in Seattle is unreal. Um, they get a really good following. They bring in some big players. And uh, yeah, it's 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 a great experience. And I was lucky actually. Um, when I was in Seattle, I also went to an MLB game. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was awesome too. That was my first live, like, you know, MLB game. And uh, yeah, it was a great atmosphere there too. So I think there's a, a lot to be said, especially out in Seattle for, for the fan bases, for their sports teams out there, um, that they get amongst it. For sure. They're passionate no matter what sport it is, you know, soccer, yeah. baseball, football, hockey, hopefully basketball in the near future. Yep. Yep. That's it. For sure. For sure. So then when did you know that you were going to be good enough to go to the next level and play collegiately? Yeah. So from like eight through till 12, I would just play like club soccer and school soccer. And then from about 12, 13, around that age, I started getting recognized, um, you know, at like school level and club level to make like local representative teams. Um, so I can remember actually when I was 12, I tried out for the Gold Coast, um, representative team. That's the city that I lived in here on, in Australia and I didn't make it and I was devastated. And there was probably like all the best players from all the local clubs turn up to these tryouts. I can't remember how they did it now. I think it was over like six weeks. You'd go once a week and, um, do lots of different exercises, play lots of different games. And then at the end they read out the players that they'd like to take on this like tour. And I remember being uh, 13 and I didn't make it and I was gutted. I was so gutted. And then I had to go back to school. I had to go back to club soccer in the next year. And a lot of my buddies were playing on that rep team. And I was like, man, I just want to be there. I want to, I want to play on that rep team. And uh, so fast forward 12 months, I had a really good year at club level soccer when I was uh, 13 turning 14. And then, yeah, 14 years old, the trials come around again. And this time I make it and they just changed the structure of it. So previously it had been that you play club soccer all year long. And then at the end of the year, if you make the like city rep team or the state rep team, it's just like a one-off competition for the year. And then everyone goes back to club soccer. But when I first made it in under 14s, it was the first time that they turned it into almost like an academy. So if you got picked for the Gold Coast team, um from that point on you would train three nights a week with with the gold coast team and actually compete every weekend against other rep players and other rep teams in our area you know like in our state so that was um that was my first sort of introduction to like higher level soccer with like you know great coaches um more consistency you know training three nights a week with the team playing against good competition on the weekends and so I was in that Gold Coast Academy system from 14 to, um, well, right the way up to like 18, 19, to be honest with you. So, but when I got to 15 and 16 years old, 
I actually got picked for the state team. So then I was representing Queensland, my state, um, again, which was really cool. We got flown down um, to Canberra, to the Australian Institute of Sport. We got to play there against other states. Uh, and again, that was just like another level up. Um, the facilities we were training and playing in were like stadiums now. I was wow. like, wow, this is pretty crazy, you know, for like to be 15, 16, like training on a stadium field. Um, and then, yeah, so that was sort of my youth career. I just sort of went through the ranks, played for my city, played for my state. Um, and then when I was playing for my state, I was once I was like 16, 17, I was playing with guys that were starting to get signed professionally to Australian A-League clubs. Um, there was guys, I was playing with like older boys, you know, 18, 19 year olds that were competing against us, like 16, 17 year olds. And at that, at that age, it's, there's a big difference sometimes between a 19 year old and a 16 year old, you know? Right. So like at times I would say that I was getting bullied on the field, like, you know, nothing, nothing sinister, but, you know, like coming up against like bigger, stronger boys, just getting muscled off the ball, those kind of things. Um, that was a great experience. Um, I grew up fast. Um, and then basically from there, I, I, so I didn't get a professional contract from any of the A-League clubs. A couple of people in my system did. And again, that was like another motivation to me. I was like, wow, I, you know, I would love to be there training, playing full-time with these professional clubs. Um, you know, that's my goal. That's what I got to do. So it's back to the drawing board. So once my rep career had finished and I was 18, I um, came back to a local club and the club that I came back to, they actually competed in the National Premier League, which is the second tier of soccer here in Australia. And it's like sem semi-professional. So I started playing there. And I think within six months, I had made my first team appearance. Um, so I started playing like at that semi-professional level. Um, I wasn't getting paid anything because um, I was one of the young guys, but like some of the older players I played with would have been getting paid like pretty good money. Right. And, and then, so that was like, and then I was 18 at that point. So my parents said, okay, you're 18 now. Um, you're playing at a good level. Um, there's a chance to make money in the future, but it's not life-changing money. You know, you, you better get your ass to school. So I started going to the local university. I was just had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, uh, so I started doing exercise science um, and I just started taking my general courses for the first year. And then this is sort of how I, I started to become aware of like America because I was playing at a level where we trained three nights a week and we played every weekend and the games were all around the state. So mm -hmm. some weekends, if you had to travel, say four or five hours away um, by plane, you kind of lost the whole weekend. So I got into a cycle where I was like, I had a job, I was working, I was going to school and I was playing like at a semi-professional soccer level and it was really hard to balance everything. Um, I felt like, you know, I didn't really have much time for my friends and family. So I started looking into the, the college option in America and I didn't go through like a recruitment agency or anything. I just started, I put, put footage together from games that I was playing in. And I started sending it to division one and division two coaches in the US. Uh, I had no idea where I wanted to go. I just thought, let's just email anyone and see what kind of response we get. And I started getting some good responses, jumping on Zoom calls. And um, a, few, a few division one schools actually offered me um, scholarship opportunities. Um, but then I was like, ah, you know, I'll just, I'll keep looking. I'm not in a rush. Um, some of these schools were like in New York, some of these, um, 
schools were down in California. And then it just so happened that there was a technical director at my soccer club at the time at Palm Beach Sharks um, called Gary French. And he had been involved in the collegiate game on the women's side of things in the States um, for a long time. And he was now the technical director of my club. And he knew I was young. He knew I was working. He knew I was going to college here in Australia. So he just came and asked me one night after training and said, would you be interested in playing college soccer? And I said, absolutely. I've actually started sending emails out to coaches and having phone calls with coaches. And he said, well, it just so happens that I've got a connection in Montana and they're looking for a, a midfielder. And he's a great guy. He's a great coach. His name's Alex Ballock. I'll put you in touch with him. I said, fantastic. So literally the next day I got introduced to Alex Balog, who was the head coach at MSUB at the time and Thomas Shamarod, who was his assistant coach. And I spoke with the coaches. Um, I loved everything they had to say. I loved everything they had to say about not just MSUB and the men's soccer program, but Billings itself. Right. Um, sounded like a great place, great community. It was the kind of place that I thought, you know what, this is good. And everything lined up. Um, like across the board. So I committed and I knew nothing about the place. Um, I knew nothing about Billings, nor Montana, nor that part of the country. I started looking into it and I was like, oh, wow, what have I got myself into? You know, I'm coming from the Gold Coast. You know, we got the beach here. Uh, it's a big like um, outdoors lifestyle. It's, it's perfect weather 10 months out of the year. Um, you know, people surf, you know, you jet ski, you, you boat, um, you fish, all these kind of things. You hike as well. We got mountains. And then I started looking at Montana and I was like, shit, it gets cold there. <laughs> it snows a lot. I was like, yeah, that's a big change. Um, but anyway, long story short, I, I made the commitment and I got out there in 2014. And uh, I'm not going to lie, when I first committed, I was like, oh, you know, I didn't really understand the college system, but I knew it was division two. And I was like, damn, I want to be division one. I want to be division one. So I was like, I'll come out there. I'll play for a few semesters. And if I can transfer division one, I will. Um, Cause that was, you know, I was looking at it like that's my best chance to get drafted to the MLS is to play right. division one. Anyway, I get out there 2014 and instantly I fall in love with the program, fall in love with the university, fall in love with Billings itself, the people, the community. Uh, played my first season there, my first full season, H had a decent season. I think I made um, like the second team for the GNAC, um, scored a handful of goals, um, did pretty well for my first year. And then I remember after that, I was like, there's no way I can leave this place. I can't leave this place to move on to any other opportunity. This is where I got to see out my my college um, career. And and that was it, man. I was, I was in Billings. Um, well, I got really lucky when I first arrived. I lived with um, a couple of local lads, um, Kyle Emmerich and Matt Brink. Oh, Shout yeah. out to those guys. Great guys, man. You should have you should have either one of those guys on the podcast. They're, um, you know, Billings guys, born and bred. Um, phenomenal athletes. Um, great soccer players. Uh, they come from two really great families. And I moved straight because I came over as a 20 year old. I, I sort of didn't have to live on campus. So I got to live right. with those guys on campus. Um, and they just really looked after me. Them and, you know, the Brink family and, and the Emmerich family, you know, they, they helped us out a lot. So um, really grateful for those guys. Um, but yeah, I was hooked, man. Once I got into Billings, I was hooked. I loved it. Um, 
like I said, just the community was great. Meeting people like yourself on campus, um, you know, completely different backgrounds, completely different majors, but I just found everyone to be so friendly. Um, you know, I was, just, I, was, I was proud as punch to be an MSUB athlete. And I'm, I'm sure you can remember, I was always wearing the, the MSUB men's soccer polo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember some of, the, some of the European boys that I played with, they used to give me a bit of stick because they used to say, you know, like, what's up with you, man? Like, you got all these other clothes, you know, you can wear <laughs> other things other than the MSUB tracksuit and the MSUB polo. And I was like, nah, but that's, you know, man, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to represent MSUB. I'm proud to represent MSUB. Um, and uh, yeah, I loved it, man. I loved every single minute of my time there. I loved uh, every experience I had on and off the field. And now I've got people like yourself and other people um in my network you know that i'll stay in touch with for, for the rest of my life and i'm now looking actually on and coming out next year on a trip so oh great again in person but that's basically the start of my uh college journey and i could talk for hours about uh my experience you know playing for msub men's soccer underneath alex and tamar um yeah and and obviously you know we had um great leadership in the athletic department at the time right. we had uh, Krista Montague was our athletic director. Um, she was extremely supportive of our program as she, as she was for every other program, obviously. Um, and we had Chancellor Mark Nook at the time. Yep. Um, he was a great guy. I remember in the preseason, we actually used to go around to his place um, for like a team dinner and stuff. That was always great. It was a good time. But um, yeah, that was it, man. That was, that was the, basically the long and short of my, how I ended up in Montana. That's awesome, man. So my main follow-up question with that is what kind of culture shock did you get when you got off the plane to Billings, Montana? Yeah. I mean, it's, it was, it was a massive culture shock. Um, just everything, everything, as you can imagine, like here we drive on the left-hand side of the road. So I actually remember when I, when I first got to Billings, Montana, I flew out with my dad. Um, and he just wanted to come out with, for a couple of weeks, get, get me sorted, get me settled. So he came out with me and uh, we flew to LA and then LA to Salt Lake. And then we stayed in Salt Lake for a night and then we flew to Billings. And we arrived in Billings and we got a hire car. And I remember we, we picked up the hire car at the airport. We came down the main street from the airport, like heading towards downtown. I think, is it 27th, North 27th? Yep. Yeah. We were coming down 27th. And then I said to him, I was like, oh, the place, you know, we'll, we'll do whatever right now. We'll go downtown. We'll check it out. We'll drive around. We'll check out campus. But I was like, the place I'm supposed to be living in with Kyle and, em uh, Kyle and Matt is on North 24th. So I was like, let's, let's, let's swing by real quick and have a look. So we come down 27th and then we take a left. I can't remember what street it was, but we were on, obviously it's the first time for both of us being on the right side of the road. Uh -huh. My dad driving. I can't remember. We got like a little Chevy Cruze or something like that. We're driving down the right-hand side of the road and he takes the first turn and he actually turns from the right-hand side of the road onto the left-hand side of the road <laughs> as if we were back in Australia. And we're just cruising along this street for a second on the left-hand side of the road until we saw a car. And I was like, oh, shoot, we're supposed to be on the right side. <laughs> he quickly got us back on the right side. So, I mean, you know, driving on the on the different side of the road was the first biggest culture shock um obviously fashion's a lot different i saw more camo than i can remember out there in montana you know um food you know the food's a lot different um 
it's not too different, but I mean, just like probably like uh, like good good pub food in in Montana, like you know Montana Brewing and and uh, those kind of places downtown, like great, great. burgers. Um, you know, just portion sizes of drinks and coffees and things. Um, <laughs> drinking coffee black, you know, I'd always had coffee with like milk and cappuccinos and lattes and stuff here in Australia. And then I got to America and it was like, you know, it was like most of the time you just get black coffee and you add creamer. And I was like, what the heck is this creamer stuff? Never seen this before. So um, yeah, it was a big culture shock, big culture shock. Um, but people were fantastic, man. I can't fault, fault the people in Montana, man. They're, they're great. Um, super welcoming super friendly um there were so many people on on the university campus and and in the billings community that were supportive of msub and msub athletes and especially like international athletes i know um, the soccer team always had like a bunch of international athletes but so did the basketball team and um you know, I used to speak with those guys too and, and they felt super welcome in the community and there was lots of families that were extremely supportive of, of the university and um, that definitely helped, man. I never never felt homesick once. Um, you know, as soon as I got there, it took me a few days and then that was it. That was home. That's good. I, I noticed that when you were on campus, it felt like you were at home and that always was good, I felt. So that's awesome, man. So out of all the matches that you played at MSUB, what would you say was your favorite? Oh man, there's a few, there's a few. It's probably hard to to define one single game. We had um right about that time, um, you know, it was a bit of a transition period, I think, for the for the soccer program. Um, Tamar, who was our assistant coach, had previously been a player, and when he was playing for us, we did really, really well. Uh, he was a fantastic player, holds all kinds of records still to this day, I believe. Um, and you know, some of the players that that I played with that were lucky enough to play with him, they'll they'll tell you how good he was. Um, but yeah, we 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 were sort of uh Alex, Alex was a fantastic coach on and off the field, and he had a great philosophy and he had a great idea for how he wanted us to conduct ourselves on and off the field as well, and a great idea and philosophy for how he wanted us to play the game and how he wanted us to go about playing the game. Um, we try we we tried our best to play an attractive style of soccer. Um, we didn't hold back against anyone. You know, some of those teams in our in our conference were top teams: Seattle Pacific, great. Simon Fraser. Like they've had great success, not just in our conference, but like in the Division Two realm across the country. Um, so off the top of my head, um, whew, man, I would have to say. I would have to say uh, in Billings, Montana, we had a home game against Cordia University from Portland. Um, and it was MSUB Kicks Cancer Day. And so we had like pink warm-up tops on. Um, we'd re recently lost um, a player of ours, Trevor, had passed away to, um, to cancer. And his family had come out um, for MSUB Kicks Cancer Day. And they were on the sideline. And um, that, that, you know, his parents, you know, were part of our team huddle and, and, his, and his dad was speaking to us and his mum was speaking to us about what it means to them to see this from us and how proud Trevor would be. And uh, man, we were so pumped up. We had a great warm up, and uh, we went out and things just didn't go our way in the first half, man. We were 2-0 down at halftime. And I remember thinking, oh man, this is so bad. Like we shouldn't, you know, it's such a big day for us. 
Um, we should be beating this team. We've already beat these guys away in Portland. They weren't like one of the top teams in our conference. They're all good. Our conference was very competitive. If you were right. off on any day, you could lose to anyone. But, um, but we should have been beating them. And we were 2-0 down at halftime. And I remember Coach Alex took us over um, behind the goals. Um, and he just gave us a spray, man. He gave us a proper spray. I remember <laughs> just, I remember every single one of them copped it. And it was well-deserved. Like, we weren't performing as, as we should have been. And uh, I remember after that, he came over and he didn't have too much to say. He just gave us a good spray, laid into a few of us, told a few of us, like, more senior players, like, you know, you better turn, turn things around. Um, and he sort of left it with us. And then I remember he walked away and we're all there as players and we're all sort of like talking amongst each other, the captains and senior players and was saying like, he's right. You know, like it's a massive day for us. Um, we're way better than these guys. We're not performing. We got a half to turn it around. We better turn this around, right? So we come out second half and um, Ricardo Palomino scores a second half hat trick, man. And we win the game three two. Oh man. And I just remember the scenes, like he scored the first one, fantastic goal. I was like, right, we're back in it. And then the second goal, man, he picks the ball up sort of on the right-hand side of the field, close to the sideline, right in front of the bleachers. And he goes past one player and I'm in the middle, obviously, because I'm a midfielder and I'm looking at him and I'm like, oh God, goes past another player. And I've seen, man, Ricky Palomino was incredible. Incredible. This kid was crazy. I don't know how he didn't go on to play pro as a, as a striker because some of the goals I'd seen him score in, in conference games, in preseason games, in training, some of the things I'd seen him do, unbelievable. But he took this ball down the right-hand side of the field. He must have beat three or four players, and then he bends it like top corner with the outside of his right boot, and that's the second goal. So we're 2-2 at this stage, and I'm just thinking like, wow, man, thank God for Ricardo. So we're all going crazy. You know, the girls, they, they were always fantastic at sticking around and supporting us. So they were there. They were cheering us on. Bleachers were pretty full because it was a big day. Um, and then right close towards the end, we were still chasing a win, I remember. It was 2-2 at this point. I, I can't, honestly, I don't even remember how Ricardo scored the third goal, but he scored a third goal and scored a hat-trick, and we were just going crazy, like running down towards the corner flag. Everyone was in. The bench was on. The coach Tamar actually ran onto the field and got in trouble for running onto the field. But it was going wild, and we were celebrating with Trevor's, Trevor's family. That was nice. It was a special moment. So... I think that's got to be, I was actually speaking to coach Alex uh, a couple of weeks ago, just over, over messenger. And we were both reminiscing on that game saying that's probably, probably the best moment in our MSUB career, just, just for what it meant, you know, um, to be able to uh, put on a second half performance like that and fight back for, for Trevor and his family on, on MSUB kicks cancer day. Sorry, that was my end. But oh, yeah, you're good. It, was it was fantastic. So that, that's probably up there with my best, best memory there's a few others um not to not to go on but there was one out at western washington they just opened their brand new stadium um amazing facility and we went out there and we we beat them on their first like grand opening game there at, at western washington so that felt good but yeah man there's, there's too many to remember but that that concordia game at home has to be the one. Oh, that's awesome for sure so you kind of touched on this a little bit but what did it mean to you to be a yellow jacket at msub yeah, I mean, at the time, to be honest, it meant everything to me to be a yellow jacket at MSUB. Um, I, I honestly felt like, um, like I said, that was my home away from home. Um, all my 
fellow students and fellow student athletes were like my family that, you know, it was like my brothers and sisters. Like I was um, so proud to be a, a yellow jacket. You know, I would, I would often support other sports teams. Um, we were big. The men's soccer team were big on going to like, like the basketball, the, the yeah. men and women's basketball, the volleyball, uh, even got out to the baseball a couple of times down there at the stadium, down the road. That was a, a great facility. Um, so yeah, it meant everything to me. And every time I pulled on that jersey, whether it was in training or, you know, on match day, or even just walking around campus, like I was proud to be a yellow jacket. Um, but I think that that sort of has more to do with the leadership that was above me, you know, my coaching staff, the athletic department. Um, you know, they do a great job at, at um, instilling that sort of pride into us student athletes. Um, you know, especially Coach Alex, he always used to say, you know, don't take it to gr for granted that you're here. You know, it's special. Like, you know, there's a lot of other people that wanted to be MSUB Yellow Jackets and you're the selected few, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, every time you cross that line, like, you know, do it with, do it with pride, do it with honour and, and give back to this, this um, organisation and, and, and this um, community that gives so much to you, you know, because we, we didn't go without, you know, we had amazing like equipment, our facility was great. The support was great. Um, and not just from the university, but like I said, from families within the community, like, you know, families would come and tailgate our games. We didn't get massive crowds, you know what I mean? But like, it felt like, you know, like say a few hundred people there felt like a few thousand to us because it was like, they were just as passionate as us. So yeah, man, to this day, I'm still a proud yellow jacket and hopefully one day I can, um, well, I would hope next year I can come back and visit, but hopefully one day um, it's a dream of mine one day to be involved again with MSUB men's soccer in some, some capacity. So we'll see what happens down the line. Oh, that would be awesome for sure, man. So then now after your playing days at MSUB, you got a really cool opportunity to do a tryout with the Seattle Sounders of the MLS. So walk me through that a little bit, what that experience was like. Yeah, so I was obviously just playing for MSUB, competing in the GNAC, and a lot of the players that we competed for, against were from out Washington ways, um, you know, Seattle Pacific, Western Washington, these kind of schools. And um, I was actually looking for a place to play during the summer. Um, and back then, the competition was called the PDL, the Premier Development League. Um, and I was just looking for teams to play with in the, in the PDL because how it worked was if you wanted to get drafted to the MLS, you had to play in the PDL. Um, that was like the shop window. Okay. So I was like, I've got to play in that PDL. It's a dream of mine to be like a professional soccer player. So I've got to get out there. So again, putting highlights together um, from college footage plus Australian club footage, emailing coaches like crazy. You know, a lot of the times just getting told, no, we got players, you know, we got players in your position. Thanks for sending your video. Or oftentimes you would get like, oh, you know, we're interested, fly out here and have a trial and, and see what you think. And it's like, man, that's a big commitment for a college student to fly out across the country. You know, these teams are all over the place just to, just to have a trial. Um, but yeah, so Seattle Sounders U23 team, actually I tried contacting their coach, didn't hear anything back but they actually had like a open tryout listed on their website and you had to pay to go. Um, and then you had to get, make your own way there, you know? So I was like, damn, like I'm in college. I don't have much money, but I really want to want to try out for these guys. And I sort of supported Sounders, you know, that was my MLS club being, you know, one of the clubs. Right. clubs. 
in Montana. I was like, and and we played against teams in Seattle in college. So I liked the city. We went, you know, when we were out there playing against um, Seattle Pacific, Western Washington, we, we went to Sounders games. And I just, I just love the place. So I was like, right, I want to play there. So I, um, I signed up for this open tryout. I knew when it was, I, tr- I, I signed up like months in advance, paid my fee or whatever. And I was a bit skeptical. I was like, ah, is this a money-making thing? Are they just, you know, trying to get a hundred kids out here paying however much to, to fund their season? Right. Whatever. I'll go out there. I'll give it a go. So I flew out there. I think it was like a two-day tryout. It was like a Saturday, Sunday. So I flew out on the Friday night, stayed in a hotel. Man, it's just like a motel. Like right, I stayed in a motel right <laughs> near the facility. So it was like, you can imagine like some roadside motel out in Washington, <laughs> somewhere near this train. So it wasn't great. So, I was, but it was like 60 bucks a night or something. So I'm staying in this place. And then I had to try out for two days. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, I wore my MSUB training kit um, and I just thought, you know, like this is a chance, this is an opportunity. I've got a, you know, there, there was like over 180 kids there, I think from memory, like it was crazy. They split it wow. up. Group. Had to do different exercises with different coaches, different playing activities over two days. And um, I think, yeah, I was just, I went there. I was really confident. I had a few good seasons at MSUB um you know I was like 20 I was 23 at that point already so I was a bit older than a lot of the other guys that were trying out so I was pretty confident pretty you know physically mature as an athlete and I just gave it everything for two days and um there was me and one other kid that got called back to actually go out there for the summer to to join the U23 team so that's how that came about so I came back to MSUB and I was like, oh, that's awesome. I've done it. I've secured a spot. Um, I've got to have a good season now at MSUB. And then I'll go back out there for the summer. And then, um, yeah, I went out there for the summer and I was training like full time with the U23 team. And man, there were some players in that squad, like some great players. I can't remember a lot of them like by name, but um, I remember one of the boys I actually played against. He was from Simon Fraser, Adam Jones. And I just caught up with him recently when I was in Vancouver and top guy, man, top guy, top player. Um, but there was, there was a handful of players like that, that were like, I was like, oh, okay, like this is, you know, uh, I'm not the best here. Like I'm, there's, there's players here that are way better than me, but I enjoyed that. You know, I always enjoyed being around better players. It was the same at MSUB. There was no way I was one of the best players there, but the guys around me, like I loved being like around you know, players that I considered better than me. Um, so yeah, I went out there for the summer, trained for a couple of weeks, played in a trial game um, against a local club. They played me right back, which is not my position. So I did all right, enjoyed it. Um, it was an honor just to pull on like the green Sounders kit, you know, like yeah. we had like the 23 team, we had the exact same kit as the first, first team, Adidas, nice kit. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like, I hope this is the start of something. Um, and then it was actually on the bus ride back to the complex after that game where the coach told me, he's like, look, I think you did well. I think you've been doing well the last couple of weeks. Um, I know you're a midfielder, but you did a pretty good job at right back tonight. I don't think you'll be in the starting 11, but I'd like you to stay around all summer and, and, and train. And if you get a chance to play right back or midfield, I'll play you. But right now I can't play you ahead of these other guys. And I remember thinking at the time, like I was, I appreciated the honesty from the coach, but I thought I was good enough to start in that team. Um, especially as a midfielder, I thought I was good enough to start as a midfielder in that team. 
thought it was a little maybe political because I was a division two player. I was an international. It's a lot harder to get me drafted than it is to get someone else drafted, but I took it on the chin and I said, okay, cool. We'll see what happens. I hung around for a few more weeks and then I started playing for a local club um, just to get minutes. And then I was kind of like, damn dude, I'm 23. This is an under 23 team. Um, You know, I'm international. I'm not starting. Chances are I'm probably not going to get minutes. Maybe I should just like walk away and play with the summer team and enjoy my summer because I was kind of stressed about the whole situation, you know. So I actually decided I walked away, which in hindsight was probably a stupid thing to do. I, I should have stayed around because you never know in, in, in soccer what can happen. But I just felt like the opportunity, like it was a fantastic opportunity that I got to that stage and got to train with the squad. And I remember being out at the Sounders um, sports complex. I forgot what they call it. I think they call it Starfire. And um, rubbing shoulders with like Clint Dempsey in the gym. Oh, yeah. Being like, wow, you know, like that's the US men's national team captain. That guy's played in the English Premier League. You know, like asking him like, hey, man, are you done with that? Like squat rack? Like, yeah, dude, go for it. It's like, wow, this is, this is surreal. <laughs> I've watched this guy on TV for years and years. Um, but yeah, then after, you know, after a few weeks of training there, I just, I just wasn't enjoying myself. So I moved on. But yeah, I'm super grateful for that opportunity. And I'm glad... Um, you know, the little bit, little bit of time that I did have there, I had to fight for it and I had to earn it. And MSUB prepared me well for that. That's awesome. So then now you've moved back to Australia and I know you were playing uh, semi-pro soccer in Australia too. So how yeah. did those opportunities come about for you? Yeah. So after I left America, I came back to Australia and I came back and it was the middle of a season here. So I started training with a local um, semi-pro team, um, but they couldn't sign me because it was the middle of the season and there's like signing windows. And so I actually just got really fit and I went over to, to England, to the UK. And I just, again, highlights, emails, phone calls, just knocking on the door, man, knocking on the door. Went over to the UK, knocked on a lot of doors, got a lot of good opportunities over there. Actually got offered a um, like a semi-professional contract just outside of Manchester or in Manchester there at a club um, called Curzon Ashton. But I was living like an hour away from there at the time, staying in a family home. And it was just like, man, I have a car. I don't even have a job yet. This club wants to sign me, but they're an hour away from where I live. Feet like it, the logistics just didn't work out. And I quickly ran out of whatever small bit of money I had when I was in the UK. And I thought, right, you know what? I'll fly back to Australia. I'll play a season in Australia. I'll save up more money and I'll come back. Because I thought Europe and, and the UK was the pathway for me. I was like, that's where I've got to be. That's the pinnacle of football. There's multiple levels of professional football over there. Right. Um, I'll go over there and I'll give it a, a good red hot crack. So, and when I was there, it wasn't easy, man. Like, you know, I'm, I was... I'm English by birth, but I, I sound Australian, obviously. So I'm there, I'm the foreigner. I'm coming into an environment that's highly competitive. I'm trying to take someone's position, someone's contract. I'm trying to earn minutes over a local guy who's trying to make it to the next level. It's it's a cutthroat industry. Everyone's nice, but I mean, it's like you're all competing with each with one another, you know? Right. So I love that experience because I, I would say that's sort of probably when I became a man. I was only 23, 24 at the time on the other side of the world, on my own, little money behind me, knocking on doors, trying to get opportunities, trying to get chances. And then like, it was like winter time. So it was freezing cold, Ooh. snowing, raining. And I'm turning up to train and trial with teams, you know, in like tough weather conditions, but loved every second of it. Came back to Australia, 
signed for a local um, national Premier League club, um, had a few good seasons here. And I think over the last sort of like five, what are we now, 2022? Yeah, from 2017 to 2022, I played with three different clubs in the NPL. Um, had a pretty decent career, um, enjoyed it. And then last year, I actually decided to focus more on other areas of my life, um, personal and business. And so now I'm no longer playing NPL. Um, I'm just playing. I played in like a local league last year that just plays once a week just with a few friends just to stay fit. Um, but yeah, man, it was uh, the at MSUB under our coaches and, and you know, under the MSUB umbrella, we were taught you know, to always compete every single second of every single practice, every single game, compete, 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 and, uh, and, and always have yourself ready and prepared to compete, you know, even down to the athletic training staff at MSUV, Tom Ebel and the whole crew there in the athletic department. And at the time we had Nick Petweet doing our strength and conditioning. They just always had us ready, man. And, um, that, that, that stays with me to now to today, you know, like, um, I, I, use those lessons that I learned at MSUB as an athlete on and off the field. I use them now like in my personal and business life. And um, yeah, it was an amazing journey from college soccer to semi-pro sort of pro soccer and everywhere in between. And oh, I had also had a stint in Canada in 2019 playing over there. So, I mean, considering I never played fully professional, you know, I've played in England, America, Canada, Australia, um, wouldn't trade it for the world you know i wouldn't have That's it any awesome. other way and i met a lot of great people along the way and lived in a lot of great places along the way as well so i sort of used soccer as the vehicle to navigate through my early 20s and experience um life in a few different countries and yeah it was fantastic man that's awesome so now i have a question it's a little bit off topic but yep. there's a uh, documentary series it's kind of sweeping the world right now it's that Welcome to Wrexham with Ryan Reynolds. Dude, I've, so I've heard about this, but I haven't seen it yet. Okay, so they're in like the bottom tier of England um, football over there in Wales. What yep. do you think their chances are of getting them to where they want to be from Ooh, that bottom man. tier? I mean, I love, I, you know, I, I really should watch this show because I, I love these um, journeys that, clubs can take in Europe and in Britain from like the lowest tier of non-professional sport to like the highest levels of the sport. Um, you know, to be honest, it just comes down to money. Like I think if with Ryan Reynolds and other people involved, they probably will start to climb the ladder. Um, there's actually a club in Manchester um, called Salford, Salford city. And they were bought by David Beckham and a few other players okay. that play at Manchester United with David Beckham. There's like four or five of those players that were super successful for Manchester United that have bought this lower tier football club and they've already climbed like three or four levels of the football pyramid. So I think it's doable. I think um, to get a sports organization from the bottom tier to the, to the highest tier is like extremely hard but I do think they will and can climb the ladder um, to like some of the closer levels, you know, um, and they probably can make, reach a level where they're the players are full-time. 
um, professionals, but it would come down to, it comes down to a lot of things. I think one, it comes down to money, like having the money to go and pay semi-professional players what they're worth to play for your club to get results. That's important. Getting the right players on board, you know, because it's not just about getting the best talent and, and being able to afford their wages. Um, Obviously, you'll know being a massive sports fan that it's not always just the team with the most talent doesn't always do the no. do the best, right? They need good leadership. Um, they need a good coaching staff and just good management from top to bottom. But yeah, I'm going to have to watch that show now because there's a handful of shows like that on Amazon Prime and, and Netflix that I've watched. And um, yeah, business business is probably my new passion over the last year or two. So now I start to think, man, in 15, 20 years time, I'd love to go to like the UK or anywhere in the world, even here, take a local club and try and climb the ranks with, I think that would be a fun project. Yeah, that'd be fun. And that show, I'm not even, I'm a soccer fan, but I'm not the biggest soccer fan and it's got me hooked. Yeah. It's awesome. If you, if you like that one, you should watch on Netflix. There's another one called Sunderland Till I Die. And that's about Sunderland. They're a club up in the Northeast of the UK and, um, They've been in the Premier League before, but now they're down a few levels and it just follows their journey sort of like in those lower leagues, trying to get back to the pinnacle of British football. Um, and then on Amazon, there's there's a bunch on Amazon. I think Amazon do this one series and they do it amongst multiple sports now. Um, what's it called? I forgot what it's called now, but they have like a, a Manchester City one. Yeah. They have an Arsenal one. They have a Tottenham one. Um but they're all really good watches for sports fans. Oh, that's sweet, man. Well, hey, I want to thank you for your time tonight, or I guess the morning for you, or midday for you, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I want to thank you for your time and talking about all your endeavors in soccer. It's awesome to hear and great to hear that you're doing well, man. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks so much for having me. I uh, really appreciate coming on. It's, you know, it's great to see you. It's great to, great to have a chat again. Um, yes. And also, I did notice that recently you had Jim Galtz on the program. Yes. So shout out to Jim and the entire Galtz family. Um, they were one of the families that were, you know, big supporters of MSUB men's soccer and um, great family, great people. And also the um, Drew and Sarah David, they were another family that I wanted to give a quick shout out to, similar to the Galtz family, um, big supporters of the program, used to bring their boys to watch us play and I still stay in touch with all those guys to this day. And I'm just really stoked that you had Jim on, on the program. Cause he's a great guy, great, great teacher, great coach. And um, keep an eye on his sons, man. And, and even Maya, yeah. their daughter, like his sons uh, look like, dude, when I last saw them, they were, you know, this big and now they're, they're big huge football, <laughs> big football players, you know, like incredible athletes. So keep an eye on them boys in, in their college careers. For sure, man. Well, Hey, thanks so much. And we will keep in touch for sure. That's it, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me and uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. I'll speak to you soon. Will do. Talk to you later. All right. Cheers, Mitch. See you, mate. Bye. Hey, guys. Mitch here with Wide Left Sports. And do I have a company I would love to highlight for you? It's called Big Sky Customs. They make lifelike figurines of your playing days, which I think is awesome because every single person, once they're done with their playing days, they miss it. And um, how cool would it be to have a lifelike figurine to commemorate that? And I mean, 
Rob goes down to the very minute details about it. It's awesome. And the best part is it's out of Montana. Um, so yeah, if you want to get one ordered, just go to his Facebook page, Big Sky Customs, and start a conversation with him about it. And hopefully you enjoy your lifelike figurine from Big Sky Customs. <laughs>